Hey everyone, hope you guys are all doing well. Welcome back to Project Ascribe. Now, many of us are pretty familiar with the miraculous meeting and marriage between Isaac and Rebecca, but there were quite a few events that led up to their relationship, and so today uh, we've got part two of that message. Now, this message was originally recorded as an encouragement for those in our community who were all stepping into something new, whether that was a new relationship, new job, uh, just graduating and heading into, you know, whatever was next. Uh, this is what that message was for. And so, you know, as the new year is approaching us, I hope that this message will serve as an encouragement for you as well. And so uh, hopefully it does. And I just want to say thanks again for listening. And here is part two of Abraham, the servant, Isaac, and Rebecca. So Abraham says no compromise. So the servant hears. The servant says, all right, cool. He's on his way. He goes. Uh, he gets to the city. And he, he, as he's getting there, I want you to kind of point out um, how Abraham's faith, how Abraham's relationship with the Lord begins to have this effect on the servant. And how the servant then begins to respond in this, in this situation. Because you have to think, uh, this is, again, this is the head servant of Abraham's household. And Abraham is very, very rich. And so Abraham, or this particular servant, excuse me, is head over everything. So he has intimate knowledge of Abraham's life. He has intimate knowledge of what Abraham does during the day. He has intimate knowledge of Abraham's relationship with the Lord. He would have been very close with Abraham, being in charge of everything that Abraham owns. He has to be a very trusted individual. So he has a very intimate knowledge of who Abraham is and what he's doing, what his life is like. So he would have seen Abraham's ups and downs. He would have seen Abraham's relationship with the Lord. He would have seen Abraham in the waiting. He would have seen Abraham in the trial. He would have seen Abraham in the failures and the successes and all these things. And here he is now listening to Abraham basically preach about who God is, what God has done, what God has said. And again, you begin to see this effect that it has on him. So when he goes to the city right, that, that Abraham instructs him to go to, he gets there and he begins to pray. Go to verse 12. 24. Same chapter, yeah. Chapter 24, verse 12. It says, Then he prayed, meaning the servant, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside the spring and the daughters of these townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So he begins praying. It's like, the same God of Abraham. The same God that's been walking with him. The same God that he was just talking about. The same God that's been with him and faithful to him and blessing him and, and, and always with him and promising him and all these things. That same God, here I am today. Would you help me today? Would you grant me success today? Undoubtedly, Abraham's faith, Abraham's relationship with the Lord has had an effect on his servant. That's an amazing thing. That when you begin to walk with the Lord, and you begin to, to, to ask Him and to seek Him, and you begin to, to see His grace in your life, and you begin to see His, His forgiveness in your life, and you begin to see His power and His love and, your, and His favor and, his, and, and all these things on your life, and as you begin to actively remember who he is and what he's done and apply all of these things that we keep talking about in church into our daily lives and you begin to see him work those things out in your daily life, it's amazing 
what kind of effect it can have on those who are around you. That's exactly what we've been called to be, right? The light to those who are around us. So if we've been called to a new job, career, uh, school, whatever it is, we're not just going there just because, oh God, you have blessed me and this is all about me and you're just blessing me and this, that, and the other. And it's just me, 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 me. No. What God has done in you is now supposed to reflect through you to those who are around you. And this, I believe, is exactly what's taking place here. As Abraham has been walking with the Lord and praying and seeking and failing and succeeding and all of these things, here's now the servant that goes and says, the same God of Abraham, the same God that I've seen work in Abraham's life, the same God that's been walking with Abraham, the same God that's been faithful to Abraham, the same God of Abraham, would you grant me success today? Would you help me out today? I've seen you work in his life. I've seen how you operate in his life. I've seen the blessing in his life. I've seen the light. I've seen all of that. Now, Lord, would you help me? Would you help me? So there's this effect that Abraham's relationship has had on this servant. And then you even notice what the servant is praying for. Grant me success today. I love that prayer. It's the same prayer that Nehemiah prayed. And he's right before he's praying to get your, um, before he's standing before the king. Would you grant me success today? I need your help today. I need your wisdom today. I need your favor today. I need your grace today. When I go into the new job, I need success today. Lord, what does that success look like? That they would see you. That they would hear you. And even practically speaking, Lord, I need favor in front of my boss. I need, you know, how many times, you know, when we go into uh, a new school or a new job or, you know, whatever it is, if we have a meeting with somebody or if you have a meeting with a client or with whatever it might be, how nice it would be to have the favor of the Lord upon you. How nice it would be. Like, we're not that smart. Let's be, let's be real for a second. We're not that good. We're not that... We're not. Apart from Him? Man, as believers, we have such an advantage. <laughs> we have Him. How nice it Lord, I need your help today. I need your wisdom today. I just I completely forgot about it. It's not in my notes, but I just remembered this right now. Um, but I used to work in finance. Uh, I remember getting this call from a client. I worked in what was called the high net worth group. And so our client, the clients that I normally spoke to had, about, had at least about $5 million with our company or more. And so this particular client had a, a right around there. And they called in. I don't remember exactly what they were mad about. But they were, they were irritated because there was some kind of paperwork or something got lost. And it was like this whole big mess. The initial problem was like a two-second fix, but whoever was helping them completely messed it up, and so it turned into like this whole, this whole thing. And so by the time I'm speaking to this client, uh, they're, they're frustrated, they're mad, and then like, I literally have no idea where to even begin. I have no idea where to start with this, with this problem. So I told them, I'm like, I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm, I'm gonna have to call you back. Uh, I'm, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to take some time to do some research and figure this out and get back to you. Sit down, looking at this thing, I'm going through all these notes, I'm going through all their, like, their files and everything, and I have like, everything is, everything is screwed up. Everything. So I remember getting frustrated, going like, I, I don't even, I literally don't even know where to begin. Shut my computer off, went out to my car, I was like, God. I, just, I don't know. Like, literally, I don't know. I'm not kidding you. Call the OSG group. You guys know, like, that, basically the Lord was like, this is who you need to call. Call the OSG group. And never talk to that group. You, I, you never speak to that group, especially about the situation that I was dealing with. I was like, I, 
think that's from God. I think I just, I, boom. Run back into the office. I call them up, explain everything to them. The guy puts me on hold. He gets back on. He's just like, you could tell he was kind of frustrated. He's like, all right, I know exactly what to do. Just pass the client through to me. I got it. Everything taken care of. It's done. Just like that. You know how nice that is? <laughs> I didn't have to, like, I'm literally, all I did was like, I literally don't know what to do, God. What do I do? Boom, answer. Now, I wish he did that every single time. Like, but, that's, but that's what it looks like. To say, God, I, I need success today. I need your help today. I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help today. Grant me success today. In whatever it is that you're looking at. Whatever it is that God has led you to. God, if you brought me here, help me to do what I need to do here. Help me to do this as, not to, you know, to, 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 to human masters, but Father, for you. I'm working not to myself or to these humans. I'm working for your glory. So Lord, whatever success looks like here, not just in the world, these things, but in your eyes, what does that look like here? Grant me success today. Then what does the servant do? As he, again, he's, uh, he, he's prayed and he asks God for something specific. He says, let the woman uh, basically do, the, you know, do these specific things with water. Right? Let her give me the water and let her also give uh, water to the camels as well. And let that be the sign to me that this is the one that you have, that you have chosen. And so as Abraham, is, uh, excuse me, as the servant is uh, uh, praying, it says before he's even done praying, Rebecca comes out. And he goes up and he begins to, he strikes up this conversation. And notice verse 21. It says, without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. He prays, he strikes the conversation, and then he begins to watch actively for the work of God. He begins to watch actively. He says, okay, God, is this the one? He doesn't just pray and run back all the way back to Abraham. He's like, well, I prayed about it, and let's just see what happens. No, he, he began, and he watches. God, is this, is this the one? Is this what you're showing me? Is this what you're, is this it? He begins to watch actively the work of God. So he prays, he asks for the success, and then he begins to watch and wait actively for the work of God. Then once he finds out, okay, this is the one, he begins, to, he like, you know, uh, she does everything that, you know, he was praying for. He then strikes up the conversation again, begins to find out what family are you from and what clan did you come from? What exactly city are you from? This, that, and the other. Like he's, he's trying to find out, is this the one that Abraham, or is this the, uh, from the same family and, and tribe and clan and all that that Abraham was talking about? And it is. And his response when he finds out that it is, now look at his response, verse 26 and 27. Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. He gives credit where credit is due. He worships. He worships. He doesn't take the credit for himself. He doesn't take the glory for himself. He begins to worship. He gives credit where credit is due. God, you have done what we prayed for. You have, you have led me to the right place. You have brought me up to this moment. He begins to give credit where credit is due. Then, uh, you know, once he, he worships, he then goes to meet the family right, with Rebecca. He begins to talk to the father, talk to the brother, talk to the family, and they all talk together. And they all come to agree that this must be from the Lord. They're like, we can't deny this. This is, this is from the Lord. Rebecca agrees. The, the family agrees. 
Rebecca, you can go. And she agrees. Notice again the servant's response. Verse now 52. When Abraham's servant heard what they had said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. He once again worships. He worships. Not one point do we see the servant taking this, the credit for himself or anything. He says, God, you have done this. You deserve the worship. You deserve the praise. He's actually so excited. Notice in verse 56. He says, but he said to them, do not detain me. Now that the Lord has granted me success on my journey, send me on my way that I can go to my master. They asked him, why don't you stay for a few days? Stay for 10 days, relax. Let's all spend some time together. He says, absolutely not. Don't detain me. Leave me. Like, let me go. I got, I got my answer. I got the success of it. Let me go. I'm trying to go. Right? Remember what Abraham said. You're not to, it's, don't spend any extra time there. It's not the point. You're supposed to get there, get the wife, and come, or get there, and don't get the wife, but come back. This is exactly what Abraham was afraid of. Right? Oh, why don't you just stay for a little while? Why don't you just hang around for a little while? Why don't you just relax for a little bit? The servant says, no. Thank you. We worship God. Now I got to go. But again, this relationship that he had with the Lord must have come from Abraham. He must have seen it from Abraham. He prays. He's seeking the Lord. He's watching and waiting for the work of the Lord. And he gets credit where credit is due. He worships. That faith that we have, that relationship that we have, don't, don't discount that. What kind of impact that it can have on those who are around you? You have no idea what kind of impact that it can have. So, fast forwarding. I know I'm kind of going a little faster because I want to make sure that we got time to, to worship and pray. The servant has success on the journey. So he goes back to, to, to get back to the family. He goes back now specifically to meet with Isaac so that Rebecca and Isaac uh, can meet to introduce them. If we go to chapter 24, verses, uh, starting from verse 62. It says, Now Isaac has come, or now Isaac had come from Beir Lahai Rohi, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebekah also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. She took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife and loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. All right. So how all of this was orchestrated, how all of this came together, God did it. Right? Only God could do something, something like this. Uh, this was his plan. This was his perfect plan. This was literally a match made in heaven. Quite literally. They meet. It says that he loves her. Everything is perfect. And of course, that means their marriage is absolutely perfect. No. Not even close. Not even close. When they got married, the first thing, almost immediately, barrenness. They were trying to have kids. Couldn't have any. It says that she was barren. It says that they prayed about it. God heard their prayers and answered their prayers. So she was then able, finally able to have kids. But then once she has kids, 
or when she's, uh, excuse me, pregnant, even though she's never been pregnant before, there's something about this pregnancy that she it just, it felt off, right? Like babies kick, which is, yeah, that's, that's normal. But she said like, this felt like fighting. It says that they were jostling with one another. They, they were fighting one another. And they, again, they inquire the Lord. They're like, what is going on? There's something weird about this. And God reveals it to them. It's not just two babies that are in there. Those are two nations that are in there. It's already fighting going on in the womb. Another issue that comes up. When the babies are born, Jake, uh, excuse me, Isaac labels his kids. Labels his kids. The moment Esau was born, he's born with a lot of hair. We'll name him Esau. Esau just means hair. <laughs> Great name. But then when Jacob is born, Jacob was born grabbing the heel of his brother. He's grabbing the heel. So he calls him Jacob. Jacob meaning heel grabber. Now, heel grabber, by itself, like literally translated, just means heel, like it's like, that's kind of a weird name. But it was a Hebrew phrase that meant, if you are a heel grabber, if you are a Jacob, you're a deceiver. Because you're somebody who's always tripping somebody up in order to get ahead. So if you're called Jacob, that means you're a trickster, you're a deceiver. I don't care how big you are. If you want to trip somebody up, you know how easy it is to just kick their ankles? Just trip their ankle up? You can be the biggest dude on the planet, and if you're walking, boom, kick your back leg, that's it, you're done. Like it's easy. That's exactly what Isaac says of his own son, based off of an action that he did at two seconds year old, two seconds old. And what was Jacob's life like after that? He was always tricking people, always deceiving people, always trying to get ahead. He was the Jacob. So his father labels him, and that's label stuck for a long time. Later on, as they begin to grow up, Esau is like your stereotypical man's man. He's hairy, he's strong, he loves to hunt, he has a taste for wild game, he loves, he loves to hunt. And it says that Isaac loved that kind of taste. He loved, Isaac loved that kind of food. So it says that Isaac loved Esau. Esau was his favorite son, the firstborn. Jacob, though, he was a mama's boy. Your quintessential mama's boy. It said that he was content staying within the tents, staying at home. And so it says that Rebecca loves Jacob. Favoritism. There's favoritism. This is my favorite. So that one, uh, you know, this is my favorite. So that one, uh, they're picking favorites. Oh, it gets better. At one point, they're living in this one area. God directs them. Okay, I'm going to take you now to this, to this other area. You know, within the promised land, I'm going to take you to this other area. And when they get there, Isaac is like, oh yeah, by the way, you're my sister, not my wife. Because if anybody around here finds out that we're married, they might kill me and take you. So we're just going to pretend like you and I, we're not really married, okay? It's like right now I'm single, you single. <laughs> Lying about the relationship. Where has he heard that before? His father did that twice. Lying about the relationship, lying about the like. Listen, we're not married. I'm single. You, you, my sister, or anything. Lying about that. They're afraid that God, you know, that something might happen. Esau, at some point, he ends up marrying two women, both Hittite women. It says that they were such a source of grief and pain to both Isaac and Rebekah. They hated them. They hated their daughter-in-laws. Couldn't stand them. More trouble. But the, probably the most 
famous example of like the, the issues within the marriage, the issues within their family, is when Rebecca, Isaac's wife, comes to her favorite son Jacob and says, You and I, we're gonna trick, we're gonna trick Isaac. We're gonna deceive him. Isaac got to the point where he was basically blind. He couldn't see anymore. He got so old, he can't see anything. So this is Rebecca's idea. Here's what you're going to do, Jacob. You're going to take your brother's clothes. You're going to put those on so you smell like him. We're going to take some goat hair skins and things like that. We're going to put them all over your body because he, he was hairless, basically. So we're going to put that all over your body so you feel like Jacob. And that blessing that was reserved for the firstborn son, we're going to make sure that you get it, Jacob. So you're going to go in there and you're going to pretend to be Esau. That was Rebecca's idea. To deceive her own husband. And Jacob's like, I don't know. She says, don't worry about it. Let the, if, there, if there's any curse, let it fall upon me. She says. All these issues, wasn't this like the perfectly planned, orchestrated marriage? Wasn't this the match made in heaven? Wasn't this like, man, I thought they were in love. It's, so she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comfortable. I mean, like, I thought this was supposed to be the perfect. There was nothing perfectly perfect about it. If anything, it was perfectly imperfect. All that to say, and we'll wrap up with these four things, and we'll get into prayer. In this, the presence of, of the problems didn't point to the absence of God. The presence of all these issues didn't point to the absence of God. Like it didn't, it didn't mean that, oh, actually God had nothing to do with bringing them together and God had nothing to do with orchestrating and God had nothing to do with, you know, uh, the, 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 the children that would come from them and, and all these things that, oh, by the way, like it just, just because there was problems didn't mean that God didn't bring them together. The presence of the problems didn't point to the absence of God. And when we're thinking of, again, whatever new season and, and you know, whatever it is that God is bringing you into, just because there's some kind of sign of trouble, just because there's some kind of issue that pops up, we shouldn't instantly think to run. We shouldn't instantly think to bail because we're like, oh, actually, God had nothing to do with this. Like, there's, we're so quick sometimes to be like, you know, to pray for something. And then God opens the door and God does something miraculous. And God is just like, man, without God, there's no way that I could have got here. And we get there and we think everything is supposed to be super easy. That everything is supposed to go smoothly. That everything is supposed to go just... Okay, God, now that you open the door so easily that everything else is supposed to... No. Just because there's some kind of challenge that came with the blessing doesn't mean that God didn't give you the blessing. So it's not the problem in and of itself that should immediately point us to think that we should be... Like imagine at the first sign of trouble, when they were first trying to have kids and Isaac is like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work and he leaves. He just bails. Like, actually, I don't think God had anything to do with this. Yeah, I don't think that the servant led you. I don't think this, that, and the other. Like, no. The presence of the problem, or the problems, don't immediately point to the absence of God. God's blessing came with the responsibility, which also came with its own challenges. Its own challenges. So it's in those moments, just as at the beginning, Isaac and Rebecca began to seek the Lord in those, in those moments, that we ought to do the same. Okay, Lord, 
I know, I believe you're still the one who brought me to this, to this new school and you brought me to this new job and you brought me to this new opportunity and you opened this door and yada, 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 and all those things. But now, God, here I'm coming up to, the same, to this issue, the same God who brought me to this thing. Now, God, I need you to help me to get through this thing. Right? So our first instinct shouldn't always be to just to run. Number two, your blessing makes a terrible God. Unless we're speaking of the, you know, the, the ultimate blessing of having God and knowing God, and being able to walk with him and hear with him, unless we're talking about any blessing apart from that, meaning any blessing that he's given you, whether it be the new job, the new school, or you know, whatever it might be, that thing makes a terrible God. It makes a terrible God. We should never make the blessing the main thing. Not the relationship, not the career, not the degrees, not the whatever it is. It is never the main thing think. It is not meant to be the thing. You know, whatever blessing that God gives you was never meant to replace Him. It was never meant to, to fully satisfy you. It was never meant to save you. It was never meant to hear your prayers. It was never meant to walk with you, you know, in your, on, your, on your hardest days, right? It was, no. Your blessing, whatever it might be, makes an absolutely terrible, terrible God. We should never make it the main thing. God is always the main thing. Don't care what the title is at work. Don't care what the relational status is, single or married. Don't care how many degrees you get. It's not your God. Only He is. Number three. The imperfections that we see here should point us to the perfect Christ. Whenever we see all the things that are broken, whenever we see all the things that aren't right, whenever we see the things that just like... "Mm," God, like, even in the good things, like, even in the good things, we can still see, right? Like, again, even with Isaac and Rebecca, even in something good, you can still see all these issues. Whether in people, whether in the job, whether in the, you know, whatever it might be. Those imperfections should always point us to the perfect Christ. To the perfect Christ. To be honest, and I'm going to say this very carefully, and I hope you guys get this. Even in the best relationships, the best career, the best education, like, even in the thing you're like, man, this is exactly... It's, it's not even exactly what I prayed for. It is above and beyond what I prayed for. It is better than I prayed for. There should still be this hint of like, I don't want to say unsatisfaction, but it, I kind of do. There should still be this hint of, Lord, I don't know, there's still something about it that just feels missing. And that should always, always, always be a trigger. That's Christ. Because that thing can't fully satisfy you. That thing can't be your God. Going back to number two. So every imperfection that we see, every broken thing that we see, every little thing that we see that just feels like, "Mm." even in my best relationships, even in the best friendships, even in the best, like, I have the best job and I get the best, there should still be something that's like, "Mm." just something is off. Something about it. That's not to say we can't be content. That's not to say that we can't, you know, find find joy in the things that we have here. No, we are given life and life abundantly, joy and joy abundantly. Amen to that. But there should be something. There there still has to be that element of like, but God, still, I'm still looking forward to something much better. I'm still looking forward to something much greater than this. So every imperfection should point to the perfect Christ. And lastly. Strive to be more like Jesus every day. 
be more like him every day. I'm not saying this as a, you need to do this to earn something from him or anything like that. No, that's not what we're talking about. But the Bible does tell us, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger for him. Blessed are those who thirst for him. Blessed are those who want his righteousness, who want to see that play out in their lives, who need that, who recognize their deep, deep need for that, for they will be filled with it. With all these blessings and these opportunities that are coming and all these new things that might be coming for us, we need to recognize, God, I need you in this. I absolutely need you in this. There are so many problems that are going to come up, so many responsibilities that come up. Lord, I absolutely need you in this. I need your righteousness in this. I need your wisdom in this. I need you. Like, let's be good stewards of whatever it is that God has blessed us with. Lord, I want to be a good steward of this. I want, I want people to see you in this. Help me be a good steward of whatever it is that I'm waiting for. Help me be a good steward of you know, whatever is right in front of me while I'm waiting for that thing. Help me to be more like Abraham who, who is constantly remembering who you are and what it is that you've done and what it is that you've said. Help me to be like Abraham. Ultimately, help me to be more like Christ today. Because that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate blessing. To, to look like him. To know him. To reflect him. That's the, most, that's the ultimate new thing. That's the ultimate thing. Like, like Forget whatever open door that we have. And, uh, I shouldn't say that. I mean, God bless you for whatever it is that God has given you. That is an amazing thing. But the ultimate thing is not that. It's to know Him and to reflect Him. So that when people would see us, hear us, they would see and hear Him.